Hello, everyone. Welcome to episode eight of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian DeNovellis, and May has arrived. May your days be longer and brighter and, of course, warmer. Summer less than seven weeks away. I'm now fully vaccinated, so I'm ready to just, like, get out there and just travel the country. But I'm excited I'm vaccinated. I'm one of those more than three million New Jerseyans who are fully vaccinated. I'm still wearing a mask indoors. But I'm telling you, when I get outside, open air, no one's within six feet of me. I'm at my daughter's soccer games. I'm sorry, mask off. That's the way it is. All right, I'll admit, it's a great feeling. I feel energized and it's the same thing about college basketball and college sports. Those of you who follow recruiting know that June 1st is, it's almost like a monumental day. It's, it's bigger than Christmas. It's a huge day for college athletics and high school athletes everywhere because that's the day the NCAA will officially lift the recruiting dead period. It was instituted uh, March 13th, 2020. College coaches were not allowed to have recruits on campus. No overnights, couldn't host recruits. They weren't allowed to watch recruits in person. Um, tight, tight guidelines. I don't know how coaches recruited kids. I don't know how kids committed to schools sight unseen. Google Meet, we discovered Zoom during this time. Who knew what Zoom was? And now college coaches are, are Zooming everywhere and, and talking to college recruits and trying to get them to come to their school. And it's a whole new world, right? Well, now we're kind of going back to the old way and the new way. So it's an exciting time in college basketball, exciting time in college sports. And I am so excited to welcome to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast, the head women's college basketball coach at Seton Hall University, none other than Tony Bazella. Coach, welcome. Ryan, thank you for having me. And like yourself, I'm one of 3 million people that is fully vaccinated now. Yes. And uh, I, I'm, I'm excited and, and relieved, to be honest with you. And, um, and I'm excited for June 1st. Um, like you said, that's a big day for us. Well, before we get to that, listen, you are also one of those unfortunate uh, victims like myself who contacted COVID and tested positive. Coach, you were hospitalized. It, it hit you pretty hard. How was that experience like and, and how are you feeling now? Well, thank you for asking. I, I feel better. I'm still not 100%. I was in the hospital in the first week of December after 12 days before I thought I'd be COVID and came back to work for one day and got very sick. And I'm blessed that my daughter is a um, PA student because um, if not, um, things could have been a lot worse. Um, I went, after I checked into the hospital because she made me, I had found blood clots all over my body and I was, you know, very susceptible to a stroke and a heart attack. So um, the doctors at St. Barnabas were amazing. Um, the nurses, um, the doctors, the, 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 even just the people who clean the rooms and everything um, treated me like their only patient. And uh, I can never thank the people at St. Barnabas enough. Um, I, I, you know, when I first went in there, I didn't know if I would come out. I'm not going to lie. Oh, and, my uh, gosh. They had me out in five days. The nurses were amazing. And the doctors, they were very honest. They, they know how to treat it now. They were aggressive in it. And, um, you know, we're blessed here in New Jersey with some of the best hospitals in the, in the world. Um, the St. Barnes was ranks right up there. So I am getting better. It's It's been hard. I still don't feel 100% yet. They, my doctors think it could be over a year before I'm back to being healthy. 
that's mind-boggling to even think that. But, you know, first of all, it's awesome that you were able to recover and get out. And not only that, but find the strength to coach during the season. So how did you find the strength? And and how did you find being on the sideline this season? Uh, were you winded at all? Did it affect you during the games? It did. Um, like I said, you know, our alumni are great. They sent me a tremendous amount of support. Arnie Manzo, who used to be a, a run St. Barnabas, um, was really helpful in getting me in there as, as well. I'd be remiss if I didn't mention his name. But, you know, I have a great staff, Brian, and, um, you know, Coach DeFalco, my, my top assistant, um, you know, did a great job running the team while I was gone. And even when I was back, there were a lot of games she had to really run the team, and she did an amazing job. Um, I, I could never have gotten healthy without her. Um, and, and and my other assistants, Coach Jose Rabimba, Seton Hall grad, we all know him from the 89 team, but not a better human being than him. And uh, he was great. And uh, Coach Flagg, who's been with me since I coached her at Iona um, over 10 years ago. Um, you know, the, these people have been great. And, you know, Coach Pete Sinella, um, you know, I've known him for 25 years, and he's another head coach. So when I was gone, it was really important. Our director of basketball operations is a, a Seton Hall alum, and she she helped us through this, Shelly Alliance. So we were blessed to have really great people. But, you know, Coach DeFalco ran the team seamlessly. I, I think I probably got in the way at times. Um, mm. But – it was hard, Brian. Like there were a lot of times I had to sit during the games and let her coach because I just, it just wasn't hundred percent, but our administration led by our president who sent me a, a beautiful note when I was sick and, you know, our vice, you know, our, our chief of staff, Pat Lyons and our AD Brian felt they were all there for me and it was hard. And, and, and I get a little emotional now. It's, I can't believe I went through it, but I feel better now. Even at the end of the year, I was able to, to coach a lot better, but I think I coached better this year, Brian, not to go off on a tangent, but I, I, I think when I got back from being in the hospital, things were put in better perspective. Um, I understood my family better um, to pay attention to them more um, at certain times, just shut off the phone, um, focus on them, focus on health, understand the games are really important. No one wants to win more than me, but at the end of the day, health and, and I want to see my daughter get married. I want to see my son get married. It's really important to me. Amen. Um, Amen. It yep. really, really made you take a step back and all of us take a step back and uh, yeah, know and, really, and see what we really appreciate in life. I, I agree 100%. I mean, you having it, I having it, and so many millions of people having it. I think, you know, if you don't learn from it, and I tell our players that all the time, learn from our mistakes. Let's not make the same mistake again. And, and I know for the past six months, I've lived a much better life um, than, than I did before. Man, that is so awesome to hear, Coach. I'm glad you're you're over this, and now you can get out there and get out on the recruiting trail and do it within the realms of what the NCAA has as their guidelines. June 1st is right around the corner. How significant is it for college coaches and specifically for you, and what does that mean for you uh, in terms of recruiting now? Well, I think June 1st is, is a big day, Brian, because we can bring – kids on campus now and, and um, we, we, we could have an elite camp if, 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 our, if, if, we're, if we wanted, um, this is NCAA rules wise, each institution has their own rules, but we can bring kids on campus, um, official visits or unofficial visits and start to have them meet our players and meet us in person as opposed to the last 15 months doing it all Zoom. So it is a big step. Then the next step is um, going out in July recruiting starting July 6th. Um, we're out uh, for about 12 to 14 days. 
excellent. So you're coming off a season that was unlike any other. You're coming off a season where you were on the cusp of making the NCAA tournament, and I thought you did enough at the end of the year. You were playing your best basketball at the end of the year, and even though you didn't make the tournament, it was a successful season, especially individually. The Big East coaches noted that because for the first time ever in program history, you had not one, not two, but three players earn first team all Big East in Andre Espinosa Hunter, Lauren Park Lane, and Desiree Elmore. What was that like? Well, we're on perspective season. I mean, we were 14 and seven. Um, we lost a non-league game early in the year. The first game I came back, I should have just let Coach DeFalco coach the team. We would have won that game. I, I got in the way, I'll be honest with you. Mm. And, you know, and we, we lost a, a couple of games coming off of, of um, pause. But I think we played really well at the end of the year, Brian, because yeah. we were back to playing and back to having a, a consistency in our play. And I think we have a lot, we had a lot of talent. I mean, Lauren Park Lane's a tremendous player. Um, everyone tells me they love watching her play, but I tell them I love coaching her. She's a great kid. She has a heart that's as big as the world. Um, she's a fierce competitor. Um, she scored 29 points on UConn um, without even us having Espinosa Hunter um, then. And, you know, she's just gotten better and better and better because she works hard. Um, she's raised by two great parents who hold her accountable. And this day and age of accountability, um, it's nice to have um, parents hold these kids accountable. And Lauren takes accountability now. So she's great. Andra. There's not a lot of kids that, you know, come into your life that make a big difference, but she did. You know, Brian, I never thought she would um, play this year. We, When we signed her, we thought it was fine. But one day, Coach DeFalco just casually mentioned in the office, why don't we try and get her to play? And when I was sick, I was just lying there in, in, in bed, and I was just, like, going through the rule book, thinking to myself. So I called our compliance person and our senior women's administrator, and they were great. They're like, let's go for it. I'm like, really? They're like, yeah, let's go for it. It can't hurt. I don't know if it'll happen. They did such a great job. She was eligible in five days. Um, <laughs> so, you know, Will Aaliyah and Tatum Cole, it's like, if it wasn't for them, we don't even get her to play. But Lauren, always thinking of recruiting and always thinking of how to get our team better, said, let's just, you know, threw it out. And, you know, me being sick at home, I was up anyway because of the medicine I was on. Um, I, I thought the, I, we, you know, we, we thought of, asking those two people and they did a great job at our school. Yeah. And you know, Ryan, my first game with her, we were playing Providence and we were losing and we weren't playing particularly well. We hadn't played too much. We had on pause. Providence was playing better. It was on the road. And then, you know, we started to make a little bit of a run. Maya Jackson got really hot. Just a, a tremendous player for us. And um, there was a timeout and I'm in the huddle and I'm like, you know, not screening, but I'm like, come on guys. You know, what? and Andre <laughs> put their arm around. Me. She said, coach B, we got this. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. she goes, coach B. We need you the rest of the year. We got this. I'm like, who the heck is this kid? She's been here five days. She went out. She took a charge. She made the extra pass. Um, she huddled the team up. But she's been like my angel on my shoulder. Because from a basketball and from being here, I haven't had a player like that in a long time that really was selfless to herself to help her head coach. It's always the head coach having to help everybody else. She helped me. And I, I, I texted her last night, and I, I said to her, I said, you know, I'm just so happy you're here. And she goes, I'm so happy you gave me a chance and gave me confidence once again. So we have a great marriage between us. Um, I don't think there's any way we would never be successful without her. Yes, she's a great player, but she's just a great human being. Um, and so, and then Des had a good year for us. I mean, 
you know, we put a lot of time into Des. Um, we worked really hard to get Des into shape, which we did. Um, we put Des in a great position for her to be effective from a basketball standpoint. And, um, you know, we just had a really good year. Um, I, I, I think we were really unfortunate to not get in. I think we're a lot better than a lot of those teams that got in. I think there was a, uh, a little bit of a bias um, because we didn't play in a power five conference and we didn't get to play non-league games. I mean, but next year we're going to have a great non-league schedule and we'll make sure we get into the tournament. And I want to talk about next year because you're bringing in three terrific transfers. You you have done very well with transfers throughout the year and fifth year seniors. And this year, uh, you know, is another recruiting coup for you, coach. So you're bringing in Sidney Crooks, transfer from Mississippi State. Ariel Cummings, a transfer from West Virginia. Katie Armstrong, a transfer from Fairfield. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say Espinosa Hunter, also coming from Mississippi State, had a little bit to do with getting Sidney Crooks to come here as well. Brian, that's why you do a great job because you do your homework and everything. Um, you know, she did. And and we don't get Sydney without that. Uh, you know, Coach DeFalco does a tremendous job as our recruiting coordinator. And uh, she's there's no one better in the country in, in, in working and figuring out transfers than her. Um, but Sid was 90% Andra. And you know what? Andra had a great experience here. Mm-hmm. So that's 90% of our players making her feel comfortable because they were, they were very selfless. Um, our assistant coaching staff doing a great job making her feel comfortable, which they did. Um, and then, you know, her just, you know, and I hitting it off. And I think when Sid was looking similar to Andre, she had already been at a couple of BCS programs. And I just like, stop. I know, you know, the LSUs of the world, we're all calling you come here. Stop. You already did this. We're going to be a BCS level team and we're going to kick, but, and you're going to be a big part of it. And there's a great role for you here. Come here. And at the end of the day, it was Andre that got us here. Like at, at the end, um, got her here and she's going to be really good. We, I, I think she's like our other transfers been good, but needs a little bit more confidence instilled in her and put in a little better situation like we've done with our transfers. And she's going to have a big time year for us. She's going to be great. Um, that doesn't Katie, happen too often, Coach. I'm sorry to interrupt, but, you know, Seton Hall doesn't win too many recruiting battles with LSU and, you know, the Power Five conferences like that when when push comes to shove. Come on. No, but, you know, we got great people here at Seton Hall. And if we can get the recruit to understand it's about the people, then you would always come to Seton Hall because that's what the people are like here at Seton Hall. And we got Sid to understand that through Andra. So Andra's like, I'm here. They treat me great and the teachers care about me and I get, you know, Twitter followers about Seton Hall. She's like, the people are great. And, you know, you try and tell that to a recruit sometimes, they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when it comes from another player or student athlete to that student athlete, it makes a big difference. Amen. And that's that's why we were able to get her. Um, and, and Katie's been be a wonderful player for us. She's, she, she's a very versatile kid. Um, she's going to understand her, her, her strengths and weaknesses. She's going to have a tremendous role in our success. She's smart. She's tough. Um, she shoots the three. She's, she's going to be a really good player for us. You know, you know, you know, as a coach, this fits and not fits. This kid's going to excel. She was very well coached at Fairfield. I mean, a big reason she left was she had already gotten her master's from Fairfield. So she's a smart kid. She's yeah. like, she's business. So why don't I try and get a second master's degree from another top business program? And, you know, that's really important. And and, and I think that's going to really 
be a big thing with with Katie and, and, and help her. Um, and then Ariel, I can't really talk about yet because she's not officially signed. But um, you know, we're just excited with the classes, the class that we have. I'll talk a little bit about Ariel because you are getting a six foot four presence who a couple of years ago was the number one JUCO post player in the country before going to West Virginia and now coming to Seton Hall. So that's the type of level of athlete and basketball player that you fans are getting at Seton Hall. So you're getting three terrific recruits, as Coach Bazella just said, not just terrific players, but terrific people. And you nailed it, Coach. I know I'm biased. Hey, I went to Seton Hall just like you did, but it's the people that make Seton Hall. And you telling me stories about these players being there, man, you just got to just say, wow, like how blessed am I to be surrounded by people like this, right? Absolutely. From Dr. Strauser um, to to our president, uh, Dr. Nyer, to, you know, um, Shawna Gibson now, who's, you know, been a big help with us, come in and talk to our team and, and, and everything. And um, Dean Kaiser has been great. You know, we're blessed with great people that our kids can go to, but also will help us in the recruiting process by talking to our recruits. So great people that are also, you know, doing great things at Seton Hall, thanks to a lot of donations and money that the school has. There are renovations going on at Walsh Gymnasium. You know, they, they got rid of all the old Walsh Gymnasium chairs. They were like $500 a piece, which is pretty cool. Uh, have you been in there? You know, give us a glimpse of what it looks like or what, you, what the vision is and what it will become and what it means to Seton Hall women's basketball. Oh, it's going to be amazing. I, I have to tell you, it's right outside my door. <laughs> I could probably take the computer and show you. But um, you know, people don't understand, behind those bleachers, Brian, those wood bleachers are beautiful brick wall. I wish we could keep the brick wall and just show everyone, but it's gorgeous. And th they're putting the scoreboard up already. It's, it's going to be exciting. We have video scoreboards, brand new seats, um, pretty much same capacity, but a tremendous sound system. I mean, it's just going to take our, our, our team to the next level. I, I really believe that. Um, and I can't thank all our boosters who've donated so much money for this cause. And, you know, obviously we're still looking for certain things and the naming rights. Jay Judge does a great job. And Mike Engelman down in um, advancement. Um, I, I think we have a great, great, beautiful new gym that's going to be um, really exciting for our kids to play in and uh, exciting for me to coach in because um, it's been a while since we had fans at a game and there's no better home court than, than Walsh Gymnasium. There really isn't. That's fantastic. Exciting times indeed for the men's and women's basketball program at Seton Hall University. Uh, my special guest on the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast is Tony Bazella, the head coach of the Seton Hall women's basketball team. He has had tremendous success at Seton Hall. Uh, they've been in the NCAA tournament four times in the program's history. Tony has done it twice with his teams. Should have done it last year for a third time. Coach, I want to talk about your career as a coach because everywhere you have gone, you have turned programs around. You have resurrected them, whether it was Southampton College on Long Island, whether it was LIU of Brooklyn, your first year taking them to the NCAA tournament after they hadn't had a, a winning season in 21 years. Then you went to Iona, leading them to their first winning season in 23 years. You immediately turned around a Seton Hall program that had some very lean years before you got here. 
What's the secret to your success for coaches who want to turn around a program because they want to follow in your footsteps? What are you doing? Thank you for those kind words, but it starts with players. You got to get good players, Brian. And more importantly, you got to get good players that buy in. Like when I took over at each place, it's different. At Southampton, our talent level wasn't quite as good, but we had some good kids there. So they helped us recruit better players. At LIU, I had really good players there. Tamika Dudley, Kim McMillan, Nicole Winston, Angelica Sumaglia. Um, she was Ange Steck then. She's the head coach at FDU now. Look at you, um, you know, rattling off kids, the names. Yes, Brooks, th those kids were all there. And that was our starting five. And I inherited that. And, you know, we were great. And then when I went to Iona, again, we didn't have quite as much talent, but those kids were good kids and they helped us recruit the talent. And then when I got here, we had a mixture. We had good talent and we were able to bring in some tremendous talent. You know, Dee Dee Simmons was here, you know, um, you know, Tabitha Richard Smith was here, two of the all time great players. And then we went out and got, you know, obviously Deja Simmons, Shakina Richardson, Alicia Powell, Tiffany Jones, um, Libertia Gordon. Um, I could go on and on and on with, with players that were great there um, that, that really helped us. So it was a good balance. Um, and each one's different. You know, like I said, sometimes I inherited great talent, like I did at LIU uh, and here and other places I inherited good, really good people like I did at Southampton and and Iona where they helped me recruit um, better players and uh, more talent, I should say. Um, so it's been good. And, and I have a great staff. I mean, it's not a coincidence. Like, you know, Lauren's been with me now 11 years and she played for me four, so half my her life she's been with me. Right. Um, Marissa's been with me eight years and coached with me for, uh, and I coached her for five years, so 13 years with her. You know, Jose and I and Pete and I have known each other for 25 years. So it's not a coincidence with great people like that that you're going to be good. And and, and I'd be remiss saying my old staff at Iona, you know, Christy Abadi was with me 15 years, uh, Mandy Myers like eight years. I mean, that consistency helps a lot too. Yes, no doubt. Life is all about relationships. That's what my dad would always tell me. And you surround yourself yes. with good people that you trust and that you uh, sometimes, you know, you need to listen to them, whether it's players or coaches. And it's a great recipe for success. And you need to fight with them and argue and have a disagreement and have a different perspective. Like one of the things that I, I do as a head coach is I want their opinion. I ask for their opinion, but their opinion is going to be different than mine. So we have to go back and forth. You know, Coach DeFalco and I, you know, have been together a long time. Like I said, with Coach Flagg and, you know, Coach Jose's won over 400 games as his Coach Pete. So I want to listen to them. Before that, I also had Nick DiPillo. He worked in the WNBA. Like he knew his stuff. Like, you know, Coach Stephanie Del Briori was a head coach and then became a head coach after she left here. I mean, all these people had great ideas. And if you're a head coach and, you know, you want to only do it your way and only listen to yourself, then you're not, you're doing yourself a disservice to you and the program. And we would never have the success we had without the staff, but the experienced staff that we had. And I allow them to, to be them. And, um, you know, people always say to me, you guys are really animated on the sidelines. I'm like, you're damn right we are. We want to win. <laughs> you know, we, we're here for a reason. But these people have stayed with us for a long time or going to become head coaches. And that's a tribute to them as people. I, you know, I can't thank them enough. See, I want to play for a coach like that. I, I want to play for someone like that who, you know, trusts everybody. And I also know Jose's a good friend of mine as well. And I know what it's like to butt heads with him, coach. So yeah. I can't imagine when, when you butt heads with him what, what it's like. And But bottom line is you put him in his place and you tell him because you're the head coach. And he puts me in mind too. You know, <laughs> we're blessed. You know, Jose loves Seton Hall. And his son went here. He's going to graduate. 
it's a you know fantastic. You know, his wife's an amazing person. You know, his daughter is one of the best soccer players in the country. Yep. Um, yeah, I, I just think he comes from a great family, but he loves Seton Hall. He, you know, he, he's helped me in so many ways, you know, as an alum, you know, just again, you know, having just another perspective, um, but also just as a friend and a person. And, and he's extremely, 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 extremely knowledgeable. People don't understand. And I give him credit. You know, it's hard to be in the system after being head coach all these years, but he's been great at it. He's very seamless in his um, understanding and ability. And, you know, he knows you know, what I've been through. So it's helped a lot too. You talk about being an alum. Jose's an alum of Seton Hall. You're an alum of Seton Hall, 1989. We're going to go back. Wow, what is it now, coach? We're, we're getting old. 32 years to 1989. You're graduating. Yeah. Did you envision yourself looking up there and saying, yep, I'm going to coach the women's basketball team here someday? No, I was, I sat in that gym and watched as a freshman St. John's come in as the number one team in the country on the men's side and I'll never forget it. And I sat behind PJ's bench a lot and learned um, just how he honestly, you know, coached the kids, got, you know, got into them at times, didn't, um, you know, I was blessed. I had two great high school coaches and John Delecky and Mark Hasten, and they let me go scouting with them. Um, I never thought I'd sit there, but then I also sat there and watched Gino Auriemma in 1990, I think, or 91, when his first Big East title at Walsh Gym. And I, you know, now I coach with him. Now I'm going away with him next week for the Big East meetings. And I said to Gino, that, Gino, you've won 11 national championships, but I watched you win that Big East championship. And you, I've never seen you more excited. He goes, Tony, that was the first one. He goes, and I didn't even get to coach it. I was suspended because we overscheduled. He goes, it was <laughs> awesome. I'm, I'm at the end, I'm walking out and giving Chris Daly a big hug. And I talked to them about that. Um, I joke with him about that now, but you know, Brian, I, I never thought I'd be here. I, I'm blessed. I mean, I'm blessed because Gil Pritchard was the AD at St. Mary's high school in South Amboy, which no longer exists. And he gave someone who had zero experience a chance. And I had great players um, that, that, that were good that year. And then I was blessed to have, you know, people like, you know, Patrice Walker hired me as an assistant in college. And then, you know, Mary Topping as the AD at, at Southampton, you know, um, Sean Brennan is the AD at Iona. Pat Lyons, I would not be nearly as successful in my career without Pat Lyons. Everyone's like, why? Because he hired you at, at Seton Hall and he was there for you at Iona. No, I had nothing to do with that. It had to do with him being, you know, a great mentor to me and great guys. Yeah, Pat was a great, and he's obviously a Seton Hall guy now. Um, may always be an Iona guy, as you mm -hmm. know, as I mm -hmm. tell him. Um, but I have to just tell you, and I just need 30 seconds on Pat. He was a great, great player in hockey. And a great golfer, but he was also a golf coach. So he understood both everything. And I'll never forget sitting there. Um, Sean Brennan had left to take another job. And after my third year at Seton Hall, we were 14 wins and 70 losses. And Pat called me in and I thought I was going to get fired. And he sat there and he did the hardest thing as a leader. He said, I believe in you. And we stunk. But he believed in me. And through this year and through these years from those years that I own it now where we turned it around right after that year, but he had a lot to do with it because I knew he had my back to here at Seton Hall where we had a lot of struggles. We were 72 and 29 to start here or 71 and 29 to start here, but it was hard. We wouldn't have won without Pat. And then when I went through my struggles, Pat was supportive as he's always been. And, you know, he's a friend and he's a great man, but you know, I'm not saying this to, you know, kiss butt. I'm just telling you as a coach and now having Brian felt as your AD, you can't be successful if you don't have support. 
And I had that support through my years. I'm really lucky. I haven't had a lot of ADs, and they've all been really supportive in a different way. And, and they believed in me. Sean Brennan hired me. I was in, you know, um, a division. Yeah, I, I was at, at LIU. And, and, and by the way, John Suarez at LIU um, hired, took a chance and hired a division two coach who was out of his mind running all over the place. Um, you know, and <laughs> like I said, the mentorship, you know, but Pat, I've been with Pat 15 years. And even though he's not my AD now, he's still here. And, you know, he gets it. And unfortunately, in today's age of athletics, these people don't want to get it, but he does it as is Brian now and his staff. Amen. And coach, you definitely get it yourself. Uh, that's why you've had so much success doing what you do. And I cannot thank you enough for coming on and, and sharing uh, so many great stories and uh, looking back on, on another successful year at Seton Hall. So thank you for coming on. No problem. Can I give you one quick story? It'd be really quick. Go ahead. So, so we had Deja Simmons come up to practice the other day, and uh, she was one of our all-time greats. And, you know, she was fooling around with the girls, and uh, she had only played here one year. And um, uh, we, we went back to a story, and we was like, Deja, you know, you know, you worked hard, but you, you went in your, you know, your own way. And Deja's like, listen, I'm Coach B. I was 23 when I came here. I got it. So, you know, I remember the story before the Big East playoffs. We were in Chicago, and we had a our last workout and, all, and we're scrimmaging. All of a sudden you, you walk off and goes to Falco's coaching your team. She's like, Dave, what are you doing? Dave's like, I fouled out. I had enough. And I was like, Dave, how can you say that? She's like, because you guys all made us feel so comfortable. And we felt like we were a family and I could just be myself. It was the only time I was like, you know, coach B, I was tired. So I said, I fouled out, but you know what, Brian, that's what we have here at Seton Hall. The kids trusted us. We trusted them. And it was just a great, and she came up here the other day because she goes, I want to see the girls before they leave. I want to talk to them and, you know, her. And it was just amazing. I gave her a big hug and, you know, it brought me to tears because, you know, I only knew Deja one year and I felt like I knew her 30, you know, her and her mom. And that's what Seton Hall is about. And I know I talked a lot today, but I can't thank you. And and I love Seton Hall and I love the people here. I really do. And I'm, I'm, I'm honored and blessed to be the coach here. Priceless. And it was uh, an honor and a blessing to have you on, coach. Uh, we have to do this again. And it was great talking to you. So I look forward to our next time here together. And continue great work and thank you again. All right. That is the great Tony Pazella, head coach of the women's basketball team at Seton Hall University. That'll do it for episode eight of the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. My name is Brian Dinovellis. Hey, give me a follow on Twitter, at Brian Dino. I'm closing in on 1,000 followers. So that, that would be a pretty big milestone for me. As of this podcast, I'm at 997. So come on, give me a follow. Get it over 1,000. I would appreciate it. It has been a blast. And as long as there's college hoops to talk about or someone to talk with, I'll keep the podcast coming all year long. Thanks for listening to the Tri-State College Basketball Podcast. So long. <laughs>